Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here. Whatever you get your podcast, my name is Kay. I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin and Finn. We're we're officially in the festive period. Are you feeling festive? Kenny, I'm feeling festive. Yeah, I've got I would say about 75% of my Christmas shopping done. Jeez. Oh. I've you know, got about 7% done. Made a big purchase on Monday. So, well, maybe not that big, but Decent sized purchase on Monday. So, uh, yeah, it's feeling like it's all coming together. There you go. There you go. We've got lots to talk about. I do just want to mention very quickly Rocky Kingston. I do. I have remembered that we have to tackle your questions on this week's overrun. So, we will do that. Uh, and also, Kenny, there was one thing we neglected to do several weeks ago. We were going to review a Ricky Morton versus Ric Flair match. We were. Well, if you send that to me today, I will. Um, I We will review it on Power Slam on Thursday. So okay. we we will do that. Um, before we talk about, because obviously SmackDown and Raw are kind of the, the, the shows we're going to be talking about, but obviously we did kind of cover uh, last week's Dynamite, the big two happenings. And we th- since then, the story has come out that William Regal is gone. Yes. Um, he's gone from AEW. He's WWE bound. I mean, it's hard for us to really, you know, analyze it too much because we don't know we don't really know the story, right? Like, we don't know if Tony Khan gave him a minute. And now we don't know if he had a clause where he could go at certain points. I mean, it does seem quite strange that he would have signed in early March of this year and he is gone early December or late November. So, but I mean, it's it's an odd one. I mean, I, we, I think we would all expect him he would go at some point, but just not quite this soon. 
Yeah, agreed. I mean, the theory the theory that I've heard, and I'm sure you've read this one, I've been told this one as well, Kenny, is that he had a, a clause in his contract similar to what Ric Flair had when he joined WWF in 1991, mm-hmm. which was an essentially a gentleman's agreement with Vince McMahon, which meant that if Flair wasn't being used as a top guy or felt that he could get a better offer elsewhere, then Vince would release him from his contract. That's what I've heard. Um, you know, essentially, that's what Regal had uh, with AEW, and he's exercised this early escape clause, this early escape route, and um, and he's taken it past tense, not taking, taken. He's left AEW and he's returning to WWE, possibly as soon as January, as soon as next month. So that's what I'm hearing, but um, as interesting as well that the idea that like I mean he had a pretty good run on AEW TV in terms of what he was able to do, the, the, how how much he was featured, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, agreed. But it's interesting, isn't it, that he's had? I mean, you couldn't have really, you couldn't have really predicted Regal could have had a better run than the kind of March to late November that he had. But now he's going to go back to WWE, where you imagine that most of what he's going to do in WWE is going to be behind the scenes, which seems to be, from other stories that have come out, what he is more keen on doing. Like He's more keen on being involved with talent behind the scenes. You know, there's the story that came out uh, from Sports Illustrated saying that, you know, he was quite frustrated that not a lot of people were taking him up on sort of training during the day. I know Brian Pillman Jr. had sort of retwe- uh, responded to it and said, look, you know, I did. And some days it was just me and Wheeler Utah, and other days it was some other people. But it's rare that you see somebody in wrestling who wants less of the spotlight to do more behind-the-scenes stuff. It's usually the opposite. I agree, yeah. And that does bode very well for Brian Pillman Jr., who I think should just flee AEW. If WWE is interested, he should go there. Let's see what they do with him. Um Wheeler Utah, I'm not sure if he really is going to be a good fit in WWE, but Brian Pillman Jr., I think, could do something there. Um, and, you know, if Regal is impressed by what he's seen from Pillman Jr. in AEW, and he also, you know, must be, must be dismayed by how poorly AEW has used Pillman Jr., maybe he can pull some strings. Maybe he can sign him himself. Put his name on Pillman Jr., like he did on Daniel Bryan and Claudio and all these other people. But it's, um, yeah, I mean, I think that is Regal's, you know, passion is training and working backstage and doing that sort of thing. I mean, I think he sort of feels like when he's out there, it's kind of almost an old school sort of approach to it. When he's out there in the spotlight, he's taking the spot of a younger, of a younger person who could be in the spotlight. So that's probably the way he views it, Kenny, that he thinks, well, you know, someone else could be in this spot. Someone else could be getting over. Uh, Someone else could have this TV time and could become a star as a result of it. I've had my day in the sun. You know, this isn't my place really to be, you know, um, hogging the spotlight um, when I'm in my 50s and will never wrestle again. So maybe that's his mentality. And I think it's very admirable, Kenny. Um, but I mean, I spent you know quite a bit of my weekend writing about the Regal MJF 
AEW storyline. And um, the more I drilled down into it, the more impressed I was by it. And that's why I think it's such a shame that it's ended prematurely. And I think it's a real... I just feel like Regal should have stuck around. Said this last week. I just feel like he should have stuck around till January, February, and seen this story with MGF through and then returned to WWE. So yeah. I am disappointed. I am disappointed that he that he hasn't done that, that he's chosen to return to WWE, you know, next month or whenever it is, rather than sticking around to actually make this story with MGF really means something they just blew it off far too quickly i'm sure most people would agree with that yeah i mean it's it's hard because I, in 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 some ways i kind of feel for tony khan because you know he's put this story together he's put a lot of trust in regal to put him in a top position and then you know we've went from sort of you know chapter one of the story to the final chapter within a week yeah. and it's like you know I, and i don't i look i think if he wants to go to wwe you know, let him go. You know, he's not a wrestler. It's not like it's going to affect your business. And look, if he's miserable, what what's the point? But like you say, I mean, they could have, they could have, the agreement should have been. Regal should have said, "Look, wh- what do you need to make this work?" And say, Tony Khan said, "Well, I need you for eight more weeks." And Regal could say, "Well, I can do six. We'll do we'll do six. Let's call let's call it there. I'll do the six weeks. We'll do whatever you need to do, and then that last week can be when he." you know, takes the, the brass knock shot and you can sort yeah. of write it off. Because now, what, like, MGF's kind of, uh, uh, he's not lost. But, I mean, it's funny that every time this year that MGF's involved in something, it's overshadowed by something else. Yeah. The first time, obviously, Double or Nothing was on his own doing because he walked. Second time was all out when the CM Punk thing happened. Yeah. Then there was, you know, full gear. Um, with the with, with well after full gear with this the, the regal thing it's just like every time something's happening there's 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 like something overshadowing what it is so yeah I think he should have stuck around another month but I'm sure th- more things are going to come out about this and we'll know the story sooner rather than later of of kind of what really happened. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not sure if they're going to come from Regal himself because no. he's, you know, he's he's very professional. Usually, the last thing he's going to do is leak that to anybody. The last exactly. Thing. I mean, if you recall, when he was released from his WWE contract last year, he put out that tweet. I won't hear a bad word said about this company. They saved my life. They employed me for was it best part two? Well, it's more than twenty years, wasn't it? He was under mm-hmm. contract. So I mean, he was like, okay, this is a shock. But I mean, let's look at what this company did for me, you know, and I can't be bitter. Um, and I thought that was a very gracious way of handling his departure and, um, you know, one that a lot of people could learn from and could emulate. And I feel like Regal will show the same courtesy to AEW and Tony Khan and not badmouth him, um, you know, once he's a free agent, he may already be a free agent or once he returns to WWE, I just don't see that occurring and you know, I, I I can absolutely respect that, I mean if I was doing an interview with Regal, of course I would want him, you know to spill his guts and to reveal all and to you know, give you some explosive juicy content um, but I mean if Regal you know, wouldn't feel comfortable about doing that, then I would respect that response as well yeah, it's um, 
but we'll, we'll, we'll see how we'll, we'll see how it all uh, pans out. Um, anyway, let's move on to uh, this past Friday's SmackDown. Um, we had the finals of the World Cup tournament, Santos Escobar against Ricochet. Um, and in the end, the winner of the tournament was Ricochet. So he 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 won. He got the big fireworks treatment. Um, and he's he's now going to get the IC title shot against Gunther. Um, yeah, that will take place in two weeks, December. Well, less than two weeks now, December sixteenth at the Allstate Arena. Yeah, I mean Ricochet is probably someone who, when Vince McMahon, the the allegations came out and he was gone and Triple H was taken over. You know, Ricochet was doing some of those signature flips in the house. <laughs> That's it. Quite literally, sudden... doing backflips at the news. <laughs> No longer will he be a six-second Brock Lesnar jobber. He will now have a shot at getting featured. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a good a good thing for Ricochet. I still think he's going to need more to really make it proper, as you would say. Yes. Uh, but you know, step in the right direction. He's going to have the match with Gunther, and I think that he will. You know, that's going to be a that's the exact kind of match that Ricochet needs to showcase the stuff that he can do. Definitely, definitely. You just mentioned the Lesnar match, you know, in Saudi. I mean, that could have been amazing as well. If Vince had said, right, here's eight minutes. Right, Brock, you need to give Ricochet some offense before you beat him. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a match that would have been. And instead he just squashed him. So I don't see that happening with Gunter. I mean, they've obviously clashed before. I mean, it was Ricochet who dropped the IC belt to Gunter, wasn't it, Kenny, earlier in the year? June, June, I think it was. June, wasn't it? So, um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to the match as well. In a sense, I feel I feel bad for Santos Escobar. I feel like he needed the win more. I mean, I know that match wouldn't have worked because Escobar's a heel and Gunter's obviously a heel as well. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see where this goes. But I mean, hopefully Escobar, they've got something in store for him next week or this week rather, and he can go in, in a new and interesting direction. Um, but yeah, Ricochet, Gunter... They've wrestled many times on TV, well, wrestled on TV and on house shows. They know how to have a match. And I think it will be a really good match. But I hope after Ricochet inevitably loses, you know, spoiler, <laughs> um, the, that thing that's missing from his act, um, he discovers or is supplied, he's furnished with it. Because there's something there. That, there's something not there that he needs to go further than he has gone thus far. Uh, well, elsewhere on SmackDown, we had, uh, well, Carrying Cross basically told us that his next target um, is going to be Rey Mysterio. Oh, dear. Poor Rey. Poor, I mean, God, you know, there's there's medical workers and then there's fucking this guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's like, who's drawn the short straw? Rey Mysterio! Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, look, we'll, we'll see. It's one of those things where you don't want to, I mean, we try on this podcast. It's, it, I'll give you an example, right? I'm not saying you need to agree with me here, Finn, so don't worry. Every pay-per-view that AEW put on, when the Young Bucks came out, I try and make it a clean slate. I try and go, do you know what? I'm going to judge this match on what this match is. On its own merits. On its own merits. So with Carrying Cross, even though he makes me want to do something different with my life so I never need to see him again, when he steps in the ring with Rey Mysterio, I'll give it a go. 
and you, you never know. I mean, I think we do know, but you never know. Um, yeah. I mean, when carrying cross rocks, if you think, maybe I'll do that hoovering. <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been thinking of hoovering the stair carpet. I'm going to do that now. I'll carry on. Do you know, in, in, ret- in the retro timeline, we were watching Retro Smackdown yesterday, podcast about the December 5th, 2002 edition of Smackdown. And it's yeah. the beginning of the Albert push. Oh. And ironically, he beat Rey Mysterio. To begin that push, uh, is he is he a train yet? Pretty much, pretty much. He's basically dressed as a train. Um, you know, he's he's this is the first week he's been in his little pants. Okay, um, and he he basically destroyed Rey Mysterio and Edge, so it's begun. But you know, the yeah. more things change, the more they stay the same. I mean, my memories of that period were, I think, doing a review of could have been the does a train face Edge at the December two thousand two pay per view. I think, I think he does, it does. Yeah. And I remember I did a review of that show and I ran a photo of A-Train and Edge and the caption read, A-Train, colon, derailing Edge's career. I mean... That was the caption. I thought that just summed it up. It does. No more needs to be said. Uh, we did get, you know, we've been banging on in, on this on these podcasts, Finn, about, you know, the, the, the depth of the women's division in WWE and that we need more... We yes. need less Tamina, and we got handed Tegan Knox, the return Tegan of Tegan Knox. I mean, they should have brought her back at Clash at the Castle. Let's be honest, Kenny. Yeah. I mean, what, are they going to bring her back at the next card of pay-per-view? I mean, come on. You know, that's, that was the chance to do it there. But, um, oh, it would have been big. Wouldn't it? She'd been there in the, in the crowd. It would have been a big moment for her. And uh, anyway, she's back now. That's the main thing. Yeah, she's back now. So I think it's it's good to see that she's back. Um, um, uh, it's good that she's back. And I think that she's someone who, you know, every time she's been in WWE, she's obviously got injured. So she's not really had a full run at things. So there's no better time for her if she wants to, sh- to stand out and shine than now. Yes. Because a lot of the baby faces are quite, you know, they're, they're either kind of, you know, Liv Morgan, she's obviously in the rebuild period after what happened with Ronda Rousey. Shotzi has got the, I mean, Shotzi, Shotzi. So, <laughs> not being unkind there. Um, so, you know, there's a spot in Tegan Knox. Hopefully, she will take that up. So, yeah, yeah. We should mention a damage control route. Uh, then Liv Morgan ran in to attack them because she's fearless, Liv. Um, damage control beat down Morgan. Then Tegan Knox made a return. Um, she was also beaten down by damage control and uh, Morgan grabbed a candlestick from ringside, which she used as an equalizer and pasted damage control who retreated. So this seems to set up a tag team match. It's like Liv and Tegan versus Dakota and Eosky for the tag team belts, maybe. So um, this is, yeah, as you say, Kenny, this is a this is an excellent opportunity for her. And I hope her knees held up. I know I hope her knees hold up. She uh, she's injury free. I think it's actually a long time since she suffered an injury because she did have that little run, didn't she? She came in with um, Shotzi. When was that? Was that twenty twenty one? I think it was. She had that little run on SmackDown. Yes, because they both came out in the tank for a while. Yes, but that was really short lived. You can see there was no enthusiasm from Vince for Tegan Knox or Knox as she was called. She also lost her first name along with lots of other people. Um, so yeah, this is a great chance for her. And I hope 
I hope she can deliver in the ring. Um, you know, if she can go out there and sparkle, then I think people will really give her a chance. Um, and then the final big thing on SmackDown is obviously the continuation of the Bloodline story, which is the, the focus of, of all TV at the moment. We had the Usos, Solosco and Sami Zayn coming out. They were bragging about, um, you know, the Survivor Series and everything that went on. And... Um, you know, Sami Zayn's about to do his usual intro, isn't he, to kind of put over the Usos, but Jimmy stops him and says, no, tonight's about you. You're the one who uh, who, helped, who helped us. You're the one who proved that you're part of the bloodline. So Sami got to, to be embraced here by the, the bloodline, which even though you know that it's not going to last forever, it's nice to see. It's nice to see happiness for, for one week, Finn, for Sami. Well, yeah, Harmony. Peace. Well, there's no there's no peace in pro wrestling, is no. there? But well, there is a little bit within the bloodline at the moment. Although later on, you know, this then led um, to a Sami Zayn versus Sheamus match. We should mention. Yep. I mean, this was more of a, a story match rather than a match match. And um, there was a big commotion at ringside. Then Jay super kicked uh, Sheamus as the referee was distracted, and then Sami scored the pin. So I mean, big win for Sami, of course, because. It's far too soon for any dissension um, to uh, to arise in the ranks of the bloodline after they worked for so long towards this goal of harmony. So, I mean, the dissension's coming, but not for a while yet. So, yeah, it was great to see Sammy score the win here. But then um, backstage afterwards, was this on? Uh, was this on? Am I, I'm on the... Here we go. Yes. So backstage afterwards... Um, there was Jimmy, Jay, Solo, and Sammy there. Mm-hmm. And they were all together, and it was all wonderful. But then after Sammy and Solo left, there was a conversation between Jimmy and Jay, wasn't there, Kenny? And yeah, like, Jimmy. And usually Jimmy's the one to not stir up any trouble, right? Jimmy's usually yeah. the peacemaker in, in, in the group. But he said, you know, have you spoke to Sammy yet about uh, him lying straight to your face? And Jay's like, no, no, no. You know, Roman said that, you know, you saw it in his eyes, and that's enough. And look, it worked at, at, at Survivor Series. Um, I, you know, I, I don't. I, Roman Reigns obviously is like the best overall guy in wrestling right now. He really is. But I think there's a case for Jey Uso to be number two because that guy is so good in this role. The facial expressions, like he's got to really he out of everybody, he's actually got the the hardest job. I think is he's got to convey you know, sort of like happiness sometimes, anger other times, uneasy, um, you know, like confused, uh, jealous. Like he's got to do all these emotions all the time. And I mean, wrestling is not always known for its good acting. I mean, see the poker chip tournament on Raw, but <laughs> Jey Uso, he's doing some really good acting. And I think that he, you know, I think he almost gets lost sometimes because obviously Sammy's so charismatic and good and Roman's yeah. such a big star. But I think Jay really does deserve a lot of credit for how much he's acing this role. I agree. And because because he's very much a setup man, isn't he? Yeah. All hinges on him. Yeah, he's setting Sammy up. So Sammy has the star. He's Sammy's been in the star spot here. He's the star of the show, and all the others are like supporting players, you know, because everything revolves around Sammy. Um, but you're right, yeah, Jay, I mean, obviously he's had his moments where he's lost it on the air and that somehow makes him even more endearing, doesn't it? I mean, it makes us, you know, love him even more that he sometimes just loses it on the air when Sammy sets him off. 
But yeah, I enjoyed this how, yeah, this this little moment here with Jimmy, you know, asking the question. And then it was Jay who, who shut him down in a very polite and respectful way. It's like, no, Roman Reigns, you know, he's assured me that everything's fine. And, you know, besides, we won war games and that's all that matters. So that was a very interesting um wrinkle to the tale, very interesting you know, new direction here, new layer to this. That is Jimmy who's asking the questions about, you know, Sammy's loyalty and dependability and um, Sammy's place, I suppose, effectively in the bloodline. You know, mm-hmm. he lied to you last week, Jay, you know, lied to your face. You know, you haven't spoke to him about it, but Jay's like, well, it's fine. Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns says everything's cool and we won the match, so... You know, it's bonanza time. So, yeah, very interesting to see where it all... Well, we can't know how it's going to end, but the interesting part of this, of course, is the journey. It's the getting there, isn't it, Kenny? Yeah, and the the other thing is where this is a big test for Triple H. In the Vince era, what would happen is we would have these kind of storylines sometimes, whether it's like, you know, Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho together or whatever. And we would have these... Or we would have these storylines that are supposed to build to a turn or a, a big moment. And you'd often find when the big moment happens, nothing else really that good comes from it. It's really up until the turn. So the test for Triple H is going to be once this has the turn or whatever, can they keep the story as good when Sammy's on the other side? And I'm hopeful that they can because there's so much you can do with this. So much. Even once the betrayal has happened. Absolutely, because, I mean, if the titles, if the tag team belts change hands and it's Owens and Sammy as a team who defeat Jimmy and Jay, which seems to be the most plausible outcome at the moment, then you've got Jimmy and Jay raging because their record-breaking title reign has ended and they want to win the belts back. And, you know, Roman Reigns is then furious because Sammy, you know, has let him down and then Sammy and Owens have defeated Jimmy and Jay for the belts. So you've got all this drama and then you've got the Sammy and Kevin and their jubilation as champs. And then you've always got, as that relationship rolls on, you've got the potential of someone turning on someone else. You know, will Kevin become jealous of Sammy because Sammy's a bigger star than him? Um, I mean, I know Kevin Owens only recently turned face, but he's got a form, hasn't he, Kenny, for, for doing the dirty on Sammy? So, I mean, that could happen as well. Maybe Kevin will end up as a member of the bloodline. Who yeah. knows? Possibilities are endless. But listen, let's, let's um, let that take us into Raw, because we open Raw with the bloodline again. Um, and we have, and it's, we're supposed to have Matt Riddle and Elias. My God, could Matt Riddle be lumbered with a worse tag team partner? Than Elias, but the gods well, happily, shined... happily he wasn't. Yes, the gods were shining down on us, and uh, you know the bloodline had put the boots to Elias. He was hit by Solus Core, so Elias was taken out. So Riddle seems to be on his own, and the Usos and Sammy and Solar and the ring all happy with themselves. But Riddle's not on his own, and he's got Kevin Owens. So we end up getting Matt Riddle and Kevin Owens for the tag team titles against the Usos, rather than. Um, Elias, and there was some really good story play going on through the match because, again, Sami Zayn still shows that hesitancy that he doesn't really want to, you know, be against Kevin Owens, but he kind of has to in the scenario yeah. that he's in. Um, and the Usos, of course, get the win here. But do you know, it reminded me during this match that do you remember in like 2012, 2013, that every week on TV we would get the six man tags with the Shield? 
Yes. And they were just, they were always good every single time. That's what I feel like when the Usos are in the ring right now. Every time it's good, no matter who they're against. And it just seems like it's a constant thing of, if you put the Usos in there with people because people are into the story so much and how good they are as wrestlers, that you're guaranteed a good match. Yeah, I agree. And and the very clever with the way that they do things and when they do them and they don't do too much in their matches you can see that everything is meticulously planned and thought through so that you know the and and the the like the 1d finisher has been protected so they use that to um on riddle to score the pin and jimmy pinned riddle for the victory um, but yeah, the, the the matches are just very sort of trimmed down, stripped down, and they make everything mean so much because they don't rush anything and do anything that's unnecessary or that doesn't flow with the story or with their characters and what they would ordinarily do in a match. That's what I like about them. And they don't do the same match every time either. And, you know, and this isn't a knock on any other team. I'm just talking about Jimmy and Jay here. And like obviously they've got signature moves, like everyone has. But when you watch them, I think years ago when they were faces, I thought the matches did become quite predictable because they would always do like this double dive, or they do a dive, wouldn't they? And you think, why are you doing that dive in a TV match? And it was a cheap pop. That was why they did it. But it doesn't feel like they do that anymore. It's like they've matured as performers and they realize that they don't need to do these excessive moves that, you know, increase the risk of injury or, you know, then diminish the, you know, diminish the importance of big moves that you only use in big matches on premium live events. I and think that's, that's what to do with when you've got, once you've, when you're a wrestler and you've become a character wrestler, yeah. then you don't have to do all that stuff. Exactly. But, but And that's why I think, you know, a lot of the guys, like a Ricochet or whatever, the reason Ricochet has to bounce off the walls like he's eating two tubs of Smarties and a can of Coke is because what else is he going to do? You know, what 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 is their character-wise for us to cling on to? So I think the Usos are really reaping the rewards of, of like you say, you've gone from these baby faces who would do all this kind of wild stuff to try and get noticed to now, you know, they are big characters on the show. Yeah, they don't need to do it. You know, they, they can do things more sparingly. You know, they can, um, you know, it's like, and the matches are tighter as a result. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a really good match. And then... Um, I mean, afterwards, the bloodline beat down Riddle. Then Owens ran them off with a chair. Well, he ran off Jimmy and Jay and Sammy. I mean, that's quite funny because Owens is chasing. He was chasing after them down the down the aisle with the chair. He almost caught them and they had to just like split and go in separate directions. So they didn't catch them. That's quite <laughs> funny. Uh, but meanwhile, back in the ring, Solo, um, the enforcer, he uh, continued the beat down of Riddle, hit him with the Yamaga thumb, the Samoan spike, Kenny. Nothing worse than that. I mean, he he really did, did but he did the dirty to Riddle, and but that also makes Solo Sikoa feel so much more dangerous. Yes, that, you know, he's he's not just someone who's going to maybe beat you up. He's someone who could incapacitate you. That's the story they're telling you with him. That's um, right, and and also he's even though he's there in the segments, he's distanced. He's sorry, distanced, distanced. From the um, from the Jimmy and Jay Sammy hugs and you know you know their frivolous comments and their you know their banter Solo doesn't participate in that he's like the doorman isn't he he's the bouncer you know yeah. he's the Mister he's all business he's this Mister serious uh, and that was really illustrated here with his beatdown of Riddle 
Uh, he ended up placing like a chair um, over Riddle's throat and shoving him in the corner. And then he hurled himself into the chair. You know, the chair supposedly hit Riddle in the throat. Riddle sold it like he was seriously injured. It was almost like a will- a William Regal thing, wasn't it? In fact, it was exactly <laughs> like that. He was placed on a stretcher, wheeled out, and then, you know, left by an ambulance. So um, it was it was just like what happened to Regal two nights earlier. Um, Sorry, not I, two nights earlier, the previous week. This previous was on, week. Sorry, yeah, previous um, week. I do want to ask you quickly, we took, I don't want to give it too much time, but we should mention because it's so awful, JBL's Poker Invitational Tournament. I mean, maybe Triple H was just around Vince McMahon for so long that something stuck. Because, I mean, this was, it was throughout the show, it set up these matches that were just, you know, who could possibly care? And I mean, you know, in the long line, Finn, of story of ridiculous storylines where we're meant to believe that these multi-millionaire wrestlers are broke. The Miz is the latest one. He didn't have enough money, didn't have enough cash liquidity to bet in for a game of poker. Well, he's just paid Dexter off, hasn't he? The guy's got a reality show on USA Network. He's he's got Rolex watches. I mean, how did it work out for Shawn Michaels? <laughs> he was down his luck and JBL had to or with Big Show lost his house that's it just stay away from JBL you know if you're associated with him in a storyline in any way you're going to end up skint you know yeah. you're just getting up with no money <laughs> and uh, I mean apparently poor Miz he bought a fake Rolex I mean doesn't have the sweeping hand have you got a Rolex Kenny? no got, I, even, I mean A I couldn't afford one but B even if I could I'm 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 way too clumsy to have. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing I had a watch that worth that amount of money. Uh, and then wouldn't it depreciate in value really really quickly? Uh, I don't know. I'm yeah, not sure. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not a Rolex man myself, Kenny. So I don't really know. I think they have. The, they do have the sweeping hand, don't they? The Rolex. Is yeah, that's what they're so. famous for. Yeah. No, I'm not really a fan of Rolex watches. If I'm honest with you, Kenny. Well, I'll take. But I'll anyway, take apparently, uh, apparently, Mizzy's Rolex, Mizzy's Rolex was fake. So he was denied entry to JBL's Poker Invitational because he didn't have the cash because he'd given it all to Dexter. And then when he tried to use the Rolex as collateral, you know, JBL said, forget about it, mate. You know, it's it's a fake Rolex. And, you know, we simply don't think you're good at your word, which is fair enough. That is an extension of the storyline they just told that Miz had refused to pay Dexter. And the only way Dexter could get his money, but was by defeating Miz in that stipulation match. But you're right, it was a lame segment. It kind of reminded me of all that, you know, APA stuff he used to do. In fact, it was exactly like that, wasn't it? But the APA, the APA stuff, for whatever reason, sometimes they would, because they were just baby faces and they, they tended to involve, like, bigger names on the show, it kind of, you know, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. I mean, the, some of the luminaries that we had here, Akira Tozawa, Shelton Benjamin, Dana Brooke, and of course, Tamina. Tamina, her grand return. Long awaited. Oh, God. So bad. Let's move on. We don't I mean, her charisma on. just lit up the room as it always <laughs> does. <laughs> uh, we had Becky Lynch and Bailey doing a, a, a back and forth. Um, you know, Becky Lynch talking about, how, about damage control and said that, you know, well, two thirds of you are successful because you know they're they're champs. You're just a loser, um, and they're both going to be involved in different triple threat matches tonight. And the winners will face off next week 
to become the number one contender for the Raw Women's title. So Bailey was up first with Asuka and Rhea Ripley in a triple threat match here. This is a pretty I mean, good match that Bailey won. It was like a long stare down between Becky Lynch and Rhea Ripley when Rhea Ripley came out. Yep. So we're, we're, we're kind of teasing teasing that down the road. But um, I thought Asuka, Bailey, and Rhea was a really good match. I, I, I would have been happy with the, all of them winning. Uh, but Bailey's the one to get the win. I mean, let's be honest. Bailey needed a win. Oh, yes. I mean, you know, there was. I think in 2022, it's been... I mean, if, if, if it wasn't one month where you were pining for Bailey's return, Finn, you were pining for her to win a match. <laughs> and finally, in December, they've given her a win. Just yeah. for you. December 5th Raw, she finally scores a big win over Rhea and Asuka in a triple threat match. She hit the rose plant on Asuka for the pin. So, yeah, I mean, the match really led up towards the end uh, on the home straight section. So um, I thought it was very well put together. And you could see that Bailey was, you know, really pleased that the, you know, they'd hooked the audience by the end there. I think the final sort of few moves between Bailey. Um, and Asuka were a little bit off. The timing wasn't ultra precise. Um, but, I mean, it was still a really good match and a huge win for Bailey. And after the match, uh, Ripley attacked Asuka and nailed her with a riptide. So Ripley's now got two opponents, Bailey and Asuka. So, yeah, I mean, it, the great thing about all this whole this whole thing was Bailey scored the win. Uh, and, yeah, Asuka and Ripley and Becky Lynch... You know, they've all got a role in the story going forward. You know, they're all, you know, figured in, aren't they, as they say. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. I mean, unfortunately, then the main event, I mean, I kind of wish they'd given us that triple threat as the main event, because the main event triple threat with uh, Becky Lynch, Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss, it just didn't quite measure up to the first one uh, that we had earlier in the show. We did have the run-in with the US guy in Dakota Kai uh, pulling Becky Lynch out the way so that she could be taken out of the finish. And then Alexa Bliss was the one to win here. So it'll be Alexa Bliss and Bailey uh, next week. Yes, I mean. that's right. They'll have match next week. And the winner of that match will face Bianca. Surely it's got to be Alexa. Because, I mean, I don't think I can stand another Bailey versus Bianca Belair match. I just don't <laughs> think I can face it. What? I mean, why? I mean, because the last few months we've noticed that Alexa Bliss has main evented Raw several times. Yes. Why? I don't know. I mean, I think it's part of a story. I think a heel turn um, is imminent. I mean, she was acting very frustrated in the match when she couldn't score the pin. She didn't seem, you know, deterred by the uh, interference from the villains, from Dakota Kai and Eo Sky. So, I mean, I think she's going heading for a shift of character. Um, at one point in the match... She um, attempted the Bray Wyatt move, didn't she? Mm -hmm. the, uh, she didn't execute it. You know, the Bray Wyatt finisher. Yep. So um, so I think that was a hint that they dropped that there's some connection between her and Bray Wyatt. I don't know what that is. I mean, they are on different brands after all. But there's a shift coming with her uh, for Alexa in terms of her character and certainly in terms of her attitude. I think she's going... She's turning heel, which I think is the right move for her because she seems, I wouldn't say lost as a face, but she's in need of new motivation, shall we say. Um, I'm not sure what the story is with Alexa. I mean, I actually, I don't think she's actually better than a lot of people say she is. And I think she does do some things quite well in the match. I think she's a good athlete and timing oftentimes is good. 
But there are definitely problems with her as well. And I think she needs to sort of modify her act. And hopefully when she turns heel, she will do different things. Um, it's hard to believe that she's going to be the one to defeat Bianca. Uh, but, you know, I'd rather, I mean, at this point, I mean, okay, it could be Bailey and Bianca again. It could be, and maybe Bailey will score the win. But I mean, I've I've lost faith because I've been saying this for so long. I said this for so long, and it never came to pass. Bianca won all of their big matches, um, so I'm not sure if I really need to see another between them, unless of course, you know, Bailey finally scores the win. I mean, I can, I guess, I can subscribe to that, Kenny. If it's Bailey Bianca and Bailey finally wins, then at least that will achieve something. We'll see. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, to me, the thing with Alexa Bliss, though, is that I don't think, I think that you're kind of doing her a disservice by putting her in the main event because I don't think she's a main event, you know, performer right now. So I think no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Build it up. But uh, elsewhere, the weekly Mustafa Ali story continues where um, he's having a match with Austin Theory, and Austin Theory said, I don't ever want to hear you use the word opportunity again if you don't win this match tonight. And then we have the match, and then Dolph Ziggler shows up to super kick theory for the DQ. Uh, so Ali's annoyed at Ziggler because he's cost him the match. And then, you know, we've got eight, theory doing his finish on Ziggler. I mean, I'm, I, what do you, what is the what's the end game here? Do you think with the? Well, I don't know, but I was heartened because you know I've got that <laughs> I've got that I've got that bowl of humble you know that plate of humble pie or that dish of humble pie. It's over there in the corner, Kenny. I'm keeping it warm for, for you. Right, but I'm I'm I, I've got a good feeling about this. Still, I, 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 my instincts <laughs> I think are sound here. <laughs> you know, can we, let, let's. Can you give us a cutoff point of when? How long? How long will you have the enthusiasm? <laughs> well, well, I've got to tell you, the longer this goes, the the more inedible the humble pie is going to be. You know, it's already <laughs> looking pretty nasty over there in the corner. And no, I mean, the thing is, Ali had a conversation backstage with Austin Theory, and Theory said, yeah, as you just pointed out, this is your, if you don't win this match, that's it. No more matches. That led to Theory versus Ali. And there was a major botch, actually, on a Rana block that they did. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what happened there, but they did recover very well from that. And... Um, I thought the match was decent. Um, then Dolph Ziggler ran in and attacked Theory for the DQ. I mean, what a downer. He put on proceedings. I mean, who wants to see Dolph Ziggler ever? Nobody. And certainly not in a you know program of this magnitude. So with Theory, who's clearly going to you know, a huge star and going to be a bigger star in future. Um but I did like the fact that Dolph um, had cost Ali the match. I wasn't happy that it was Dolph that cost Ali the match. I was just happy someone cost Ali the match because if Ali had lost this match, then I think, you know, my my theory would have been dead in the water, basically. But the fact that Ali lost this match by DQ due to outside interference and then Ali yelled at Dolph afterwards and then theory beat down Ali and Dolph, I still feel like there's something in the offing here, something forthcoming that's going to be very good for Ali Kenny. You know, I'm keeping the faith. You heard it here first. Meanwhile, I'm just making sure that humble pie is still edible. 
because I feel like we could, <laughs> we could still be getting to it. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, we did have the, uh, a brawl with Lashley and Seth Rollins. Uh, yeah. They're going to be facing off next week for the US title. We even saw Lashley speeding poor Petey Williams. Petey Williams. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought this was pretty good as well. I think Lashley and Rollins are worked pretty well together. They've kind of been tied together throughout the year at points. You know, they were they were in the day one match together. Um, they were, uh, you know, they've kind of intertwined with each other at various points throughout the year. So it makes sense that they're kind of here at the end. Um, yeah, I thought the, the brawl was pretty good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, I thought it was, I mean, it was the pull apart and the producers. It still feels weird to me, Kenny. To refer to them, the road agents, as producers, it still doesn't sound right. I don't know why I most people doesn't. Most people just call them agents. I think. I think it's only you know WWE brand of calling them producers. Yeah. So so they had a decent little pull about pull apart brawl, during which uh, PT Williams um, got in the way of a lashy spear and was nailed, and um, and then afterwards backstage Adam Pierce confronted Lashley and asked him not to spear any more officials. And Lashley was unrepentant uh, about his actions. And Peace is saying, you know, I'm not threatening you, but if that happens again, we're going to have a problem. Lashley's like, well, what sort of problem are we going to have? Well, I can't get into that now, but, you know, my hands will be tied if this happens again. Lashley didn't seem too bothered. So I'm not sure where that's going. Uh, Maybe maybe Petey Williams, Kenny. We'll do a run-in on the match between Lashley and Seth Rollins next week on Raw and nail Lashley with the Canadian Destroyer. And then Ali will come in and save the day. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's ways they can go. Or are we going to see Adam Pearce take a spear next week? Because it's the beginning of Lashley speeding different agents. Yeah, possibly. I mean, they've possibly. done that before. so I'm just waiting for that Canadian Destroyer. I'm just waiting for Petey to hit it on someone and for Petey to say beforehand, listen, mate, right, I'm going to hit you with this move. I came up with this move. This move used to matter. And when I hit you with that move, you are going to sell it or you're fired. I bet he regrets coming up with that move, given how much people use it as a transition move. Abuse it, Kenny. Abuse that move. It's been abused. (laughs) Well, listen, we will not abuse your time any longer, listeners. Um, That is all the time we've got for today. We will be coming back on Thursday to hear what MGF's got to say on Dynamite this week. It'll be interesting to see what that speech is going to be. There'll be some news. We'll obviously review that Ricky Morton and Ric Flair match, which uh, Finn is going to send me. And uh, we will have a a good time. Uh, So I hope you guys will join us. and yeah, uh, if if you listen to this and you really enjoy us, I would really appreciate if you pledged uh, to us on Patreon. Got extra content that goes up pretty much daily on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash inside the ropes. And it's the way that we can keep doing these. So your uh, patronage is very much appreciated over there. It certainly is. It's um, And if you, you know, Finn's been slaving away for Inside the Ropes magazine, inside the ropes magazine.com, got the big Survivor series review treatment. Uh, Q&A from the top, what's going down, loads of stuff. In the this your interview with Eric Bischoff? My interview with Eric Bischoff's in there, four pages. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it's a pretty, you know, it's the, it's the big bumper issue, 64 pages. 
Um, loads and loads of stuff. Got the ITR men's fifty, and then got the, the women's fifty the following month. So I mean, that um, cover sure looks familiar, Kenny. It, you know, some hopefully people think we're paying homage and not ripping somebody off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, well, I mean, if I had a problem with it, then I wouldn't have done. You know, basically, I. You know, I did the typesetting on the cover. So if I had such a problem with it, I wouldn't be doing the typesetting on the cover, you know? <laughs> Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Um, but yeah, we hope that you'll check it out. We, the team have worked really hard this month to to put this 64-page mag together, and it's no extra cost. So, you know, you can't ask better than that. Extra, an extra, uh, you know, what is, uh, 16 pages and no extra cost. We hope you guys will enjoy that. Um, I'm it out just before Christmas. Just I mean, can you think of a better way than spending Christmas than with ITR magazine, Kenny? I can't. Exactly. You know, when, when, when you finished opening your presents in the morning or phoning the people you need to phone and you get that lull before your Christmas dinner late in the day, just go and find a wee corner, a wee nook, get your ITR magazine, put a blanket around you and just enjoy the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Anyway, we will be back later this week on uh, Thursday on Patreon with the Purslam podcast, Friday on the main feed, and then we'll have a Purslam overrun up over the weekend on Patreon as well. We've got a new, per- got a new Purslam overrun, actually, it's up on Patreon right now, where we reviewed issue 233 of Purslam, which was the uh, the CM Punk cover when CM Punk walked out of WWE. So, Yeah. <laughs> bring, brought back some memories, Finn. Yeah, it sure did. It sure did. I mean, what a what an action-packed issue that was. I mean, yeah. so much happened, and yeah, it was um, it was a strange time. But then again, you know, wrestling's often a strange business, and it's been a very strange year for wrestling. I've observed. Oh, I mean, this year, I, I mean, twenty two. I mean, is twenty twenty two been one of the most eventful years ever? It's got to be. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I suppose so. I mean, maybe the most eventful in recent years, but I mean, it's, there's always stuff happening in wrestling. You know, it really is. I mean, you think about it, it's... And, like, next year's already shaping up, I think, to be a fascinating year with all this talk of the rock returning and, mm-hmm. you know, the mixed emotions that that will bring and WrestleMania being two nights and, obviously, Elimination Chamber in Montreal. We know summer big's going to happen with Sami Zayn there. Events already sold out, Kenny. Yeah. It would, it would get uh, AEW's first 40 into the UK next year as well. Absolutely. That's going to be, they've, they obviously they're going to be looking to get their renewal around this time next year. So they're going to have to really be putting things in place next year to, I mean, because I mean, the rampage number this week, this past week, geez, oh, but I mean, you know, that observation, I, I, that observation I made about rampage and what's going down mm-hmm. uh, in the latest issue of the magazine, I thought, is this a bit heavy handed, this comment? You know, and 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 it really wasn't, I don't think. No. And like those numbers bear that out. The thing is, and you know, the, the thing with Rampage is, if you look at this, last thing I'll say before we go, if you look at this past week's Rampage, it opened with Darby Allen against Cole Carter, <laughs> and it closed with Orange Cassidy against QT Marshall. You've got Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen who are over acts in the company, but they're against people who you are under no illusion has a holy chance in hell of beating them. Yeah. Why would people tune in? There's no reason. Uh, And worse, those characters that Orange and Darby faced are going nowhere. Yep. 
So, you know, until you make Rampage be a show, I mean, various people have said this, but, you know, one of the, there couldn't be a clearer example of how little Rampage means the best of seven series with the Elite and Death Triangle and not one of those matches are on Rampage. Yeah, exactly. You made that comment, was it last week or the week before? Yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's, um, could have been your best comment of the year, Kenny. Oh, thank you. I don't know what it says about how bad the rest of my takes have been on here, but I'll take it. I'll take a compliment from Mark. <laughs> Um, well, listen, we want to thank you for all your support. We could go on and on and on because we talk about wrestling, you just never stop. But we will be back on Thursday to pick things up again. So we hope you've enjoyed listening to us. We've certainly enjoyed, uh, you know, talking for you guys all year. So long may it continue. So thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips. For just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.